Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gap fest where on a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, <laughs> culture, <laughs> what you like to read and who we like to read. Food for Thought, you do not need tongs to toss our salad. <laughs> wow, that was really You don't good. need a tongue, but you do need so a good tongue, boo. There you go. Oh. I, I set it up. I oh. set it up. I set it up and then took it. There Listen, you go. I love to take. You do take yeah. it. You do be taken. You do be taken. Okay. <laughs> how's, how, how's everybody doing today? How is our monkeypox anxiety? It's uh, high. Ooh. I've been thinking about it the last day. Well, I mean, like, I don't even know what, like, the tea is. I'm just scared of another pandemic, and I'm trying to get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. We're all trying. We're all trying to get vaccines. We're waiting we're, in lines. We're going. We're writing online. letters. We, listen, we this was supposed to be a, a summer trampage, and now I feel like I Ugh. can't. Trampage. I can't let nobody touch me. Mm-mm. You won't break my hole because <laughs> because of the monkeypox. Because I have to lock it up again. Uh, Joe got a vaccine. I did. I got a vaccine here Wait, in Los are Angeles. Wait, you serious? As part of the category of other men. I did. Quote, unquote. I, did. I, am, I am an other man. <laughs> um, yes, D- Den is making fun of the fact that New York City, for really awesome reasons, is excluding trans women from vaccination, uh, which is just, it's been hell. We live in hell. My life is hell. My brain is mush. Oh. Uh yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. It's so bad. It's so stupid. So in, in New York City, it's um, gay, bisexual, and other men are eligible for vaccination. <laughs> because that's a meaningful category. Do, do you have, Do you know, like, okay, just for the, for the listeners out there, uh, are there any yep. resources where we could, like, find where they have vaccines? Or is there a hub uh, of sorts? By, by the time this comes out... Mm. Uh, things should have changed significantly on the vaccination okay. front. So um, check your local, it'll be your city or state Department of Health will, will be the place to go for vaccine information. Well, thankfully, the vaccination clinic that Joe went to is like four blocks from my apartment. So mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to try to stand in line. And it was it was the most joyous line of gay men. You could tell that like half of us were like, thank God. And the other half were like, oh no, I'm in a, like a, I'm waiting at an STI clinic for like a vaccine. And I was, it, it was, it That's was amazing. That's like my experience um, of going to a gay bar just in general. Like <laughs> <laughs> some people are happy to be there and some to- people, me, I don't, I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be. You do not. Uh-uh. Hello, I am Tommy Teeves, Pico, Indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and I got a drill from Home Depot, so I'm technically Butch. You are so <laughs> Butch Teeves. I love that for you. 
I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and I was born with a drill from Home Depot in my right hand. Came out of the womb like that. Put it in shelves. Hit dead. Wow. (laughs) Love it. Oh, God. I'm Den Michelle Norris. I'm a reader, writer, and former figure skater. And I'm here to remind you that just because you have a drill doesn't mean you have to actually do any goddamn drilling. Okay. 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 Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Kenya Denise. I am the creative director of Domino Sound. I'm a podcast producer. And Alex and I got invited to an all-male pride party. Oh, no. We were the only women invited. And I don't know if that says something really good or something bad about us. Did you go? Did you go? Hell yeah, I went. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Bitch, it was one of the best parties of my life. I was living my goddamn life. I love the gays. But I was just, it just, <laughs> you know, it really, it stood out when we walked in. I was like, damn. So mm. I'm like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like gay men are like fucking with us like really hard. <laughs> Which can be I mean, a great this, thing, but it can turn the, into a hot mess real quick. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't trust them. Okay. Don't trust okay. them. As far as you can throw <laughs> <Okay>. mm-hmm. <laughs> Teams, do you want to tell us what's on the menu today? Today, we're looking at adaptations for film and television from such sources as articles, books, podcasts, if you will. Uh, we're going to start off the top of the show the way any good top should with a little swipe right, swipe left, our classic yes. game of boot or toot. And we finish with sweet petite treat. Mmm, take it away. Buck, 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 be guck. I'm feeling a little bit peckish. Let's start at the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And I'm going to amuse your Booshes today with our classic swipe right, swipe left game. Swipe left means Ew. boot. Swipe right means toot. You got Wait, it? Wait, I toot all the time. Yes, you are so toot. This is, this is for you, ho. Um, first up, swipe right, swipe left. <laughs> The Supreme Court. Oh, swipe left. Uh, get rid of it. Done. Abolish it. No power here. It has no power here. That is what I have to say. It hurts. It hurts. I'm still depressed about all Mm, that shit. And I'm angry. But I'm just like, first of all, fuck them. And then do we have to listen to them? No. Right. Okay. Because I'm like kind of, I'm feeling the whole like become ungovernable. Yes. Yes. I feel like that's yes. the only way to really survive. And listen, here, so. becoming ungovernable, it's an American tradition. Okay. Period. Like, period. It, 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 we overthrow our institutions. And I'm like, I'm so, like, every decision they hand, I don't know if this is like their busy season, their bitchy season, like, what is going on? But I'm like, every Ugh. decision, I'm like, you are making the wrong decision. And you only have authority because we choose to allow you to have authority and we can take we can take it away. I am I am so over the Supreme Court except Katanji. She could stay. But I'm so I, I'm just no. I'm just like you have you have no more validity in my eyes. Fuck you. Right. Right. I do hope that like the end result of all of this horror is like we 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 do. De- we declare the Supreme Court like the king with no clothes on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. just because, like, I, uh, I feel they are undermining their own authority by being mm-hmm. the most unpopular group of right. bitches in America, and that's mm-hmm. saying something. Yes. <laughs> and also, I don't under like. <clears throat> is this the first uh, Supreme Court to actually rescind constitutional rights? So. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, like, yeah, they can sit in their little building and write their little decisions that no one will listen to. Let's, hope, let's have that be the future. Yeah, I hope that's I it. also just, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but like, if you overturn, <laughs> like, Dan, like, Dan, wait, 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 Dan, you're not, you're not a lawyer. Wow. But if you, if you overturn precedent, then why in God's name would you think that going forward, anyone is going to look at what you decided as new precedent? Because all you did was like make it clear that precedent doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. So like now this overturning Roe v. Wade, well, guess what? It's not overturned. Bah. Like, I mean, you can't actually just say that. But my point is, that's not precedent. They have, there's no more right. precedent anymore. You are giving me serious Legally Blonde vibes right now, D. <laughs> Listen, I agree that, with that everything used to be you my said. Dream. That was my aspiration when I saw that movie for a whole year after that. Commitment. Got it. Uh, swipe <laughs> right, swipe right, swipe left on parades. No, no, I'm homophobic. I hate pride. I hate parades. I hate people. Too many people, small spaces, outside. It's hot out. No, I do not like it. I swipe left. Swipe left. They, 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 um, they block traffic. They make it impossible to get anywhere. <laughs> Swipe left. Um, swipe right because I like fun. Um, <laughs> no. It is messy, though, um, because, you know, it gets hot. It gets sweaty. Let me tell you a little story. So speaking for producer Alex here, she would swipe left 100%. So our friends got invited us to Pride, and they had some, like, special box seat that was right in front of the parade, and there was going to be free food and free drinks the whole time. So I was like, yes, 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 let's live VIP life. We got ready. We stepped off the train. We were in the crowd for, like, three minutes. Nope. And Alex was like, we got to go home. (laughs) So we took our asses immediately back home, never crossed the street to even get into the box seat. So that's how it is. I, I I love them, but I also understand why they are difficult and why trying to people cr- hate them. Trying to cross the street at a parade is is it like was... my my hell would just be having to cross the street and then back again over and over again at a parade Oof. until for forever. I um, wow. One time I was dragged to the pride parade by a bunch of friends, and we were trying to go into a bar on. Christopher Street. Nope. And uh, there was the barricades, you know, because it's also policed, right? So it's like those cop cop barricades. And then these two homosexuals got into a fight with each other right in front of us. And one tried to bite off the other one's finger. And my friend got covered in blood. And it was was horrible. It was so bad. Wow, that's a moment. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, well, the girls... The girls are fighting. The girls are biting fingers almost off. Well, I mean, that's a result, I think, of my next swipe right, swipe left, which is day drinking. Ah, Swipe right. Swipe left. Swipe mm. left. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like being drunk when the sun is on me. Yeah. Yeah. What? Because then you have a hangover by dinner time. I hate that feeling. You don't have to laugh. You can just have a nice, smooth, gentle buzz throughout the day. Mm, no, I find that I, it's I hard that. to maintain it's a, it's that. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it is hard. And it's a lot of liquid, you know? Like, I can't be peeing all the time. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I, gotta I keep love it cute. to pee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Den. Oh, feels so uh, good. I feel like you could just option Den's non sequiturs from this episode itself <laughs> into a TV show. <laughs> Listen, I'm yes, not a lawyer. Oh, oh God. Uh, uh, swipe right, swipe left on having a body. Left. Swipe right, because how would I have sex if I didn't have a body? Although then again, with the monkeypox right now, it's locked up, so. Uh, swipe right, because the body houses the soul. But it also sucks. But <laughs> swipe right. <laughs> I gotta swipe left. I mean, it just not only just having a body, but then also a body that is like... Uh, aging and deteriorating. I was like talking uh, with Morgan yesterday and she pulled out her back by just turning around and I was like, I yo. tried to go on a run and I fucked up my knee and now I just have a fucked up knee. And I was like, fucking bodies, man. Fucking bodies. Yeah. It is really, it is getting harder and harder out there, people, to be a human mm-hmm. with a body. Mm. Huh. Uh, swipe right, swipe left on Jesse Williams dingling. I, I refuse to comment on the dingling because there was no consent given to the video being taken. Okay, so it was nice. So he obviously doesn't mind that the video <laughs> dropped, and I'm gonna swipe right because it was beautiful. I'm. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I want to. I'll say both. I want to swipe right and swipe left because I enjoyed the length and girth. Um, I do though. It was it was recorded in a manner that was sus, so I don't like that. But ultimately, like that. Yes, I'm into the dick. Um, I would swipe right, swipe left. Pet owners who refer to themselves as mom or dad and their pets as their children. Swipe right? Are you kidding? <laughs> That's literally my life. Like, yes. I'm always like, Soul, you better act right to white mother. Like, okay. She like she like went up to Alex and was like acting real cute for her birthday. And then she just bit her like she's just doing so much. And I was like, Alex, I mean, Soul, please treat white mother with respect. <laughs> and then sometimes I have to take Soul away from Alex and I'm like, Soul, it's black mother time. So we have black mother time at least twice a day. Important. And usually That's important. Night. Right. That really so, I matters. Mean, Soul is definitely our child. We are her moms, and she knows her race, which is black and Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that that is key and very important. I cherish my role as auntie in Mr. Sheffield's right. life. So, Mr. Sheffield, who's a good boy? Mr. Sheffield, he is, he is the <laughs> sweetest <laughs> little guy. Does he love a belly rub? He loves a belly rub. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's, he's very boy. clingy. But it's really cute and we love it. So, no, I support it. I'd rather, listen, pups over kids. So that's how I feel. I'm just going to swipe left because it's weird. But I will swipe right on the having of the pets. And I will swipe right on being the auntie because I don't think I could ever take care of one. I mean, son really did a number on my plants years ago and it hasn't recovered. So... (laughs) Son has problems. Sorry. All right. Uh, for the final swipe right, swipe left, I'm going to say swipe right, swipe left on being attracted to men. Left, left, swipe left. left. Oh, I'm praying that when I'm I start HRT, say, it'll make me attracted to women. I believe it can happen. I believe in you. I've heard. I've heard it can. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Okay. Update us. I'm going to say swipe right. Because I'm actually a bisexual. (laughs) And I love everyone. Mm. But 
men are terrible. Yes. <laughs> but I believe like 1% of them are probably maybe okay. The other men. These are the famous other men. The New the York City Department of Health have okay, been warning so us about. Leaving myself open for that, you know. For but, the other yeah. men. The Amen. Uh, well, thank you for playing that game with us. I hope you learned absolutely nothing. Goodbye. I think it's time we get to the meat of our discussion, the thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And I will be slinging the meat this week. We're going to be talking wow. about adaptations, you know, from books, from from articles, from podcasts. And, but, and, and we're going to talk about our, our favorite and not so favorite adaptations, why they often fail. Is there an adaptation that's been better than the source material? Were you ever surprised that something mm. was an adaptation or that it actually wasn't an adaptation and it was a fully realized, fully new idea? But before we get mm-hmm. to that, if you were going to adapt Food for thought for film and television. Who would play you? Oh, that's really hard. Teams, I'm not ready for that question. Whoa. Matt Rogers. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to scoot right past that. I I would say a young Keanu Reeves. Oh, I could see that, TMZ. Wow. Okay, you're just going for it. Yeah, I could see that. So nothing really matters. Nothing really matters, no. Okay, so, okay. Think- I'm going to cast Fran. Um, actually, Den, you go. I still got to think about it. I still got to think about it. I'm thinking about someone for Fran, too. But for me, um, I would really love for it to be Angelica Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love everything about her. And she would make me proud of me. <laughs> No. Um I yeah. In the in the role of Joe, I would probably cast oh, no. a tall potted cactus. <laughs> I I can't. I can't. It's perfect. It's the perfect like Does that have enough water in it to cry the amount of time that Joe spends crying? It's all it, of the all, water. All of the water goes to the tears. It's it's you know, it famously um the cactus's moisture is all inside of the plant, you know what I mean? And wow. also I think that like it's dry it's dry it's so dry it's thirsty it needs it's water it does need it's thirsty and Ken, it, you need to cast yourself we need to know oh. who's gonna play kenya we do um i feel like kiki palmer i feel like yes. kiki palmer would be good a energy. really good me a good energy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she would be very who'd good you cast, who'd you cast as alex oh my god Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. <laughs> really? I, yes. I think actually, I think I have actually have the perfect actor in mind. I Is think it? Scarlett Johansson should play all of us. Oh, <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I actually was Best thinking choice. Alex should be played by Butch, Butch Kristen Stewart. Mm. Yes, that works yeah, as well. I see that. I think that, that works be good. as well. I think That's that would good. be good. Teams, you, good you wanted to bring up this topic. What is your favorite adaptation? <sighs> well, I just saw Passing, um, which was based on the novella by Nella Larson. Mm-hmm. And I love that book. I and I I was I, I I thought its adaptation was 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 nice. I thought the performances were really good. And you know the thing is like what I'm always fascinated about adaptations is like in um in because I'm trying to adapt something myself right now from mm-hmm. from a web series into a, a television show. Like 
this I think the successful adaptations aren't necessarily the ones that are like fit the thing to it that, that have adapted from uh, from the source material to a T, but they have like some, so literal. Yeah, that, that's not such a literal adaptation, but it does capture the spirit mm. of what the uh, what the source material was about. Okay. You know, I think of um, Hustlers. Right. But that was right. based on an article. And I think the Atlantic or the New Yorker or something like that. Um, and I thought it was it was I mean, it was an excellent I mean, I, you know, I'm biased. I loved Hustlers. It's, I saw it 17 times. Shout out Christina Tucker. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was but in, in, in like it changed some of the names and it changed some of the ages and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But it really did get to this idea of uh, these women who were being taken advantage of by the club, by the system, by the financial crisis, uh, taking matters into their own hands, you know, and like the ethics and the morality of it are in question. But, you know, it was also like, what recourse do these women have? You know, Mm -hmm. who can they go to to right these wrongs? They can't. They don't have anybody right. they can go to, so they take it into their own hands. I think that's why I loved this idea, or why I love that adaptation so much. And I, I was wondering, too, with the rest of y'all, um, I, I thought about this topic again because Joe, we were just joking on text, and, and Joe was talking about uh, adapting, jokingly adapting this novel that he's working on. Um, is there... I'm curious, like, is there an adaptation that stands out for y'all? I'm of two minds about this, about, like, the perfect adaptation being super literal versus being completely bonkers in its own thing. Because I think uh, just before the Fire Island movie, which is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, I went back and revisited the 1995 BBC miniseries Pride and Prejudice. Oh, that's the best one. Mm. Oh, the best fuck, one. Oh so my god, I love that. Good. It's a classic. It is like it is amazing. And also yeah. at the at the time in the 90s, there weren't that many limited series, and so it felt super long because mm-hmm. it's like five one hour episodes, and it came in this giant box set of VHS tapes, right? Yeah. Um, and now now that we're so used to streaming, and now that we're so, so used to like binge things it, you go by and you're like oh my god that's actually really short it's only five hours of content which for then right. was crazy for now was like totally normal but it is such a literal adaptation like mm-hmm. the dialogue comes from the book and the characters are so, and it's that's why it's so long right because it has all of these twists and turns that you typically have time for in a novel that you don't have time for in a movie that's 90 minutes or two hours right yeah. and so and, but the adaptation is so perfect like it's so good and it's so mm-hmm. true to what the book is and the acting is all phenomenal and it totally is its own singular thing and then i think of an adaptation like the film adaptation which is like fucking bonkers you know and it's so meta and it's so weird and it gets it, it starts meta and even just gets more meta and it is completely divorced from the source material which is a new yorker profile right so it's like but both of those are phenomenal adaptations because the the final work of art is just the the thing that it is Mm -hmm. i fell asleep watching adaptation (laughs) i i think though um to your point about the miniseries being a better adaptation perhaps than a feature is um i think there's more opportunities for that now you know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about like Little Fires Everywhere, which was not a perfect adaptation, but but it's um, it being a limited series allowed for it to be more like the book, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think of like unsuccessful adaptations, in my opinion, like Great Expectations or Midnight's Children. They just tried to fit too much shit That's into right. an hour and a half. 
That's right. It, 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 when it gets so it gets so busy that, that you're so worried about like people who read the book and loved it being mad that XYZ didn't happen that you actually completely lose the fact that a film in 90 minutes can only do but so much. And, and it's really about like, what is like you're saying, like what is the spirit of the text and what are the essential components that need to be scaffolded into what a movie can and can't do. One of the things that I've been thinking about with adaptations more recently, and really this was spurred by us deciding to do this topic, I was also thinking of, of Little Fires Everywhere. And I haven't read the the book yet. It's like very high on my my list, though, because I, I it takes place in Shaker Heights. I grew up right next to Shaker Heights and Cleveland Heights. Um, shout out to Celeste Ng. We love a Cleveland author. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about was with that TV adaptation, the decision to have um, the character of Mia played by Kerry Washington and to have her be a black woman, which is not said explicitly in the novel. That's my understanding from like the yeah, sort of articles yeah, yeah. I read. Um, and Celeste Ng has talked about how she didn't feel like she could write, um, you know, well about like a black woman's experience in that sort of circumstance. And so she left the race open. But I thought it was so interesting because it, 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 it premiered in, I think, May of 2020. So it was literally just like weeks before so much of the, so many of the racial conversations that we've been having for years really boiled over um, with the murder of George Floyd. And I just remember thinking it was an interesting choice to really highlight the racial differences in, in that adaptation. And when I used to think of adaptation, all I thought about was taking something that had been originally conceived and written and produced and whatever in one form and putting it in another. But what about taking something and also adapting it to the time that it's yeah. that it's going to go public in now, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, it's almost like they had a crystal ball. And of course, like, they didn't. But you know, there were already so many tensions and things happening and so many important conversations around race. And my understanding was that Reese Witherspoon was looking for a project to do with Kerry Washington. So they had this idea mm-hmm. to do this. And, I, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming Celeste Ng signed off on it. And I just thought that was really interesting that they also adapted the project for um, the very contemporary context within which it was going to be represented to the world. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to do. It was also yeah. like a, such an early lockdown uh, like like Corona Phase One type yeah uh, oh my God. watch because I remember it was within the first two weeks of the lockdown I was watching Little Fires Everywhere and transferring all of my like because I had a bunch of travel size lotions and and shampoos <laughs> and stuff like that because I toured a lot and it was yeah. just like watching Little Fires Everywhere and and um putting all of my small containers of lotion and shampoo into larger containers of lotion oh and shampoo God. consolidating if you that will is bleak it's God, so it was so Jesus. it was and that was like a Tuesday afternoon oh my god <laughs> wow um, but i will say about the little fires everywhere adaptation because i did read the book and i was excited to see they were they were turning it into a film adding the dimensionality of her blackness on it was not something in the book um, but then also there's this really great line where I, I'm, I'm gonna butcher it but reese reese witherspoon says i made good choices and carrie washington says you had choices to make or something like mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. the, that that exist that is not in the book and that it is an added um innovation on the source material mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. as you guys are saying like i think my favorite type of adaptation is when the race element comes in or if it's completely colorblind casting or if they just make it fully black so i'm a film girl i love the whiz as an adaptation of the wizard of oz mm-hmm. and i love brandy cinderella like mm. i 
<laughs> I know, like, it's technically not the best film, but it is the best film. You know what I mean? I know like, exactly And, and what I you felt mean, like yes. the element of the multiracial casting was amazing, and it... I mean, everything was so batshit. I could totally believe that world, and I loved it. I think sometimes it doesn't go well. Did, did you guys see the, um, like racial colorblind casting of Oklahoma, the Broadway play? No. I did not see that. I had someone that I know who's in it, but I didn't see it. Really? So the thing is, like, I actually like Oklahoma. Like, I love Broadway. I just, I like that white people shit. It was a little strange. The colorblind casting, I couldn't quite get there. Like, I, I mean, I get what they were trying to do, and I'm all about equality and equity, but I feel like with certain stories, it just doesn't quite fit. Right. But it, I know other people have different opinions. Because so. it might be like if it's a story about whiteness, right. let, let whiteness be whiteness. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's like that's not. And maybe sometimes you just don't have to tell that story again. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, if, if right. the story doesn't work with. and so, I mean, we do need to be telling stories about whiteness, but there are ways to do that. Like in my novel, for example, I made the conscious choice to have only be white people because I didn't want to be writing characters of color in this world. And it's about murdering toxic whiteness it is like mm-hmm. the whiteness is what the book is about and it just felt tokenizing to to like force some right. some someone else in there you know so but like like you're saying can can sometimes like you can let a new thing happen and you know i'm yeah I mean, since we're talking about broadway and race i mean we you know the hamilton of it all right where you ah. take like literal <laughs> like like slave owning people and then invert the race and it just because i'm not gonna i'm not taking any position on it it's just complicated (laughs) and not often talked about with enough nuance right i mean hamilton like i totally accepted it because everything about the like the founding fathers in america hey i'm ryan reynolds at Mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. is completely batshit to me and it seems like a fairy tale. So (laughs) in that way, when I I kind of like don't view it as history, even though I know it is. So I was kind of just Uh like, oh, and it was radical and it was hip hop. So, I mean, I loved it when it first came out. But I think looking back, yeah, it's like it's like racially interesting and it doesn't make sense at all. That. It doesn't make not one lick of sense. But <laughs> yes. listen, if they were white and rapping, I'd be mad. So <laughs> it's kind of like they had to be, you know, in order to be performing at that mm-hmm. level. So little thing I've actually really never said. I have oh, never really understood why Hamilton exists. Like, what is the point? Ooh. And I haven't seen it. 
So maybe it's something that like I no, Joe, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Should should th- like maybe I should see it and then I'll get it. But I've seen a few scenes and I'm just like I'm not sure that I really understand the purpose of inverting the races here. Like, I don't know. It's like sometimes we do that. Like a few years ago, this might have been 10 years ago, they made um, a black remake of Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They did? That was, I mean, it was like on TV. It was like, uh, oh, wow. I don't know. Okay. It, it, starred, it starred Queen Latifah as the mother, as the Sally Field character, Malin, I think is her what? name. I love the classic Steel Magnolias. And I was like, this did not need to be done. Like, I also don't think, <sighs> okay, call this blasphemy and cancel me. But I don't think Queen Latifah is as good of an actress as Sally Field. So when that scene, when that scene, when that scene, and you know what scene I'm talking about, if you look at Sally Field's version versus Queen Latifah's version, you could see Queen trying to get there and she doesn't quite get there emotionally. You know, with the, like, and and, and Sally Field's is, marvelous i mean it's effortless it's it's she goes back and forth between i mean it's a it's a terribly sad moment and then there's also a funny element to it too that she just straddles that line so perfectly and i don't think queen was successful at that. well you know sally feels whole milia i think like the, qu- the core of all of it is like <laughs> i, I, I feel like is is motherhood so much of the fire mm. and her greatness comes from that experience and comes from telling those stories so, like, Queen Latifah, I think, is a brilliant actress in a lot of ways, but, and she is a mother. They, she has, they have right. a child, but, like, that's not at the core of, like, the art that she's trying to make in the same way. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that she couldn't access it in the same way. And, like, I'll never forget Sally Field's version. I don't remember Queen's. I love her. I do not remember it. And I love Queen, too. I love Living Single. I love UNITY. I love all of the things. It's just, at just, at that moment, at that the, the um it's it's a difficult expectation because the original was so good and so it's right. like let's just see if we can make this better oh teams i'm that's something super interesting do you ever feel like when you step in to make an adaptation it's actually really ambitious right yeah. like making a fire island movie based on one of the best novels of all time and like i have stressed my nightmares to this day of like being put in a role um, even like as an actor or something and like just knowing that i'm failing at it i'm thinking of um what's her name from rupaul's drag race that got um uh put in in rent live on the live musical um, and just can't, couldn't sing, just could not sing, and is Angel in the Rent musical. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I have stress dreams about being in that situation, like saying yes to a thing and then realizing my craft will not do the source material justice. Mm-hmm. Right. It is, but the thing is, uh, that's why I'm saying, like, getting into the spirit of it and, and not necessarily having to make a letter perfect um, mm. uh, adaptation and having the adaptation itself be another type of work of art. I did not know, Ken, that you were a Broadway girl. I don't know why I didn't pick up on that before. So I have a question. Whoa, wow, that's crazy. That's like one of the biggest things about me. Like, I'm a theater kid. All right, all right. And in that respect, um, what has been your favorite movie adaptation of a musical? And is there a musical that you would like to see adapted that hasn't been adapted yet? Whoa, okay. It's hard. The the movie adaptations it's of musicals are hard to do well. They really, they really, really are. I think. Oh shit! 
I mean, I think the original West Side Story is amazing. Yes. Mm. I think that is actually that's like an amazing film, Ugh. and it's an amazing show. Um, I guess also shout out Lion King for the reverse of that. Like the show from the movie is insane. It's like one of my favorite experiences I've ever had on Broadway. Like I'm just they just really did that. Um, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I feel like things shouldn't be adapted, but I. I actually am excited to see the Wicked adaptation. And that is one that I would have said, like, I would be interested in seeing that adapted um, to and it's happening. a movie. And it's happening with Ariana Grande. Oh, um, no. Yes. And I love myself some Ariana. Like, I'm but just, because it's as, also so campy and ridiculous. I feel like it really lends itself for, like, turning into a movie. But but um, isn't, does Ariana, does Ariana have the Alphabet voice? I think she's not playing Alphaba. I think she's playing the Glenda. Uh, Glenda. Glenda. Yeah. And also, she actually started on Broadway, so she actually oh, does have okay. a really good. I don't think Alphaba, but Glenda for sure. Yeah, that would make um, sense. So I, I'm definitely excited to see that. Um, uh, I actually really liked the hairspray one that came out in like 2005 or 2006. Yeah, I oh, like that one too. John Travolta. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that one. That one was really cute and light. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many. My mind is like, just, just going insane. That but, was the well, one I mean, where I really... realized that Zac Efron was kind of hot, is the phrase I used at the time. Mm. Kind of, wow. It was like, kind of. <laughs> just hot. Yeah. If We can't talk about adaptations and Broadway without talking about The Color Purple. Because mm-hmm. that's right. oh. an adaptation of a book to a musical that is now being adapted to a lot, a, a, one, like a Rent Live. Like a, it's it's going to be Color Purple Live. I oh, literally wow. didn't know that. But also, I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, um, but I feel like it is, it is totally an adaptation of the book, but I feel like it has the movie aspects of the film also. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, sort yeah. of built as part of the world building of the musical. I saw, right. um, yeah, so it's like an adaptation of a movie of a book, you know, yeah. and they're all right. kind of in combo. Um, it's amazing. It is so good. I saw. I think that's one of those franchises that is like really good throughout all adaptations. Like, I'm nervous for the new one because it'd be really scary to fuck up. But like, it really that original work. I think really just it works. It keeps giving and giving. But it's so it's you know if if you think about like what goes on in that book and movie and you would think Broadway musical it doesn't it doesn't at least in my brain it doesn't immediately right. go like oh this is totally going to be amazing mm-hmm. right. um, but then you go into it and uh, it totally was amazing and it totally works and it's like how many good artistic choices had to be made right from beginning to end from book to music to casting to direction to set um you know, and and that is just that when it works, it works. You know, and, and when it's unexpected, when you are like, hmm, that sounds like like it is not going to be good, and then you go see it, and you're like, floored. That is just the best. Yeah, right, right. I was another prepared. one. Of, another one of my favorite adaptations. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, it's a movie from a Broadway show. Um, Yentl. Barbara oh no, Streisand's I haven't seen it. Yentl. Yeah, I, I mean, that Yentl. is one of my favorite of all time. Yentl's You've amazing. seen it, Dan? I've seen it. I've never. I mean, obviously, I've never seen the the play. I've only seen the movie. Right. I don't know if I knew it was from a, if it was an adaptation though. But that's amazing. Yeah, it was. It's it's just so good. I think 
I think the people that are adapting just have to be real. They have to take make some really tough choices about it what is. to keep in, what to take out. And they really, I feel like everyone has to be super aligned for the art to still be at that level. Yeah. yeah. I, and to that, to that extent, um, I, again, personal opinion, excoriate me, counsel me, whatever. I don't <laughs> think plays make for the best adaptation into film because, mm. because I want to see what, I want I, if if I want it to be able to use all of the tools of the medium, right? Right. And I was, so I was thinking about you know when when we were in initial talks to turn food for thought into like some kind of television show, right. it, it was like I want it to be more than what we do, but with cameras on. You know, I right. wanted it to right. be different than that because it's not utilizing the full potential of television if it's just four people talking. Then it's just like you can actually just listen to the show. Um, and and to that degree, I mean, I think about stuff and it's not like they were bad because the source material is quite good. But it's like with, for example, like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or Fences, I mean, it was just mm-hmm. so clearly a straight up like the, yeah. it didn't do anything else to explore the medium that it was being translated into. And it, right. like I didn't I, I mean, I did know that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was a play because I have read it before, but. Even if I didn't, it'd be like this is a straight up play, like because it's just yeah. like yeah. people talking fast and like moving right. into different scenes or whatever. Well, and it's well, and, and in a play, like you are confined to the stage, right? And that's why yeah. Fences takes place in one house, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom takes place in one club, um, and and so it's sort of yeah, it's it it can it can feel you notice the convention, whereas in a play, it's just sort of that it has to be that way, and there are ways to sort of break those walls down and stuff, but you definitely notice it in a movie when when you're like, this is, I feel like I'm watching a filmed version of the play, which I actually kind of would be interested. I would be more interested in that, right? Like actually yeah. like filming uh, the play and re- and releasing it and releasing it that way. I think, I definitely think it's a little bit of a taller order, but I'm a lot of, of a lot of different minds on it. Cause like, I mean, I really loved mom ratings black bottom as a movie, but yeah, I was like, I sort of feel like I'm just seeing the play, but like this is not like when I was in I don't know maybe high school or maybe middle school when Tyler Perry was first coming up and doing like his musicals and plays like on the Chitlin circuit my mom would get VHSs of it like at church oh my god same yes. I loved those and they were just it was just it was it was just Negroes filming it mm-hmm. on their handheld device in the theater and selling it that's mm-hmm. what it was right so i kept thinking of like those moments when i was watching mm-hmm. like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or when I was watching Fences and I was like obviously this is an enormous upgrade from that like that's a huge insult maybe to compare it but I guess because it didn't do more with the new medium I still like thought of that a little bit Um, and so that was really interesting to me but there's this movie that I watched this was a long time ago too this was in college I think it was called it's called Proof and it was had Meryl Streep and it had this guy Jake Greenberg and I think um Uma Thurman in it and that was also a film adaptation of what was originally a play and that felt like they really like made a film like it didn't feel like mm-hmm. they just um you know just made it look like the the play on camera and then I thought about um Carrie Washington actually did an adaptation of a Broadway play that she was in in 2019 called American Son which is all about um yes. yeah a black woman <clears throat> who's in an interracial relationship with a white husband who is a cop like a high level cop and um she's at a police station and they're looking for her son um and at first it's just her and the 
police officers and then her husband comes and then there's all those moments of them assuming, you know, like, oh, you're the dad. And Anyway, um, I watched that and the whole point, the whole reason why they made that as a Netflix adaptation, film adaptation, was so that more people could see it than, mm-hmm. you know, could obviously get to Broadway. Mm-hmm. It had a relatively limited run. You know, Broadway right. tickets are expensive. And so they wanted it, this to be available to everyone. And so there was no interest in really making it a film beyond that. Um, mm. And so watching that with that in mind and knowing that it was sort of like a stand-in for the Broadway experience, I thought was also really interesting and different. Interesting. And I can see that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then another one, sorry, one more that I'll talk about, because this is actually a little bit of my Millie. Mil- I'm very interested in, like, straight plays more so than musicals and how they're adapted. Mm. August Osage County. So I saw yes. that on Broadway right <laughs> after I graduated from my MFA. It was phenomenal. Like, insane, 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 gorgeous, 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 like, play. Um. And then the the film came out, and that was another time where I was like, they they like made this a film, like they made this right. a film. That was the intent, mm-hmm. that was the goal, and I felt like it sort of did what an adaptation is supposed to do. So that's mm-hmm. a good one. Mm-hmm. I have a question for y'all: are, are do we need more adaptations of or modernizations of Shakespeare or Austin or these things that have sort of been adapted to death that are usually a part of the you know, the white Western quote unquote literary canon. Is it interesting still? I mean, I think we don't need them, but I think sometimes when they're well done, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy little women, even though there's been like 15 of those motherfuckers. Or if you take it and you do, you do like a clueless, right? Right. 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 Like, I, I think that's more interesting, but I think that the, First of all, getting things made, like, this is, like, when I go into meetings, they're always like, what are you looking to adapt? What are you looking to adapt? They're like, mm-hmm. I feel like so many people are at this point, and not not, not people, the investors that make up right. the backbone of Hollywood uh, are are less likely at this point to take a risk on an original idea rather than right. something that is IP that has been an article that has proven at least some interest. And I think going back right. to sort of like the Shakespeare stuff, I mean, ultimately, um, it's good storytelling. Like, mm. and th- that it that they that these works have survive survive to a certain extent is because of the conventions of story that mm-hmm. they inhabit right mm-hmm. um but like i think you could bare bones like take any shakespeare um uh play or the the more prominent ones and like just lay that in a contemporary context and you would have a new story right. is it the most interesting i don't know i think h- how many Types of stories are there? There's like basically right. seven types of stories. I think yeah. like it's like kind of actually limited when you atomize them. Um, right. I, I don't. And, I, I think having an original. I mean, this is what I, like I was thinking about the uh, another question, which was like, is there something that seemed like an adaptation to you that actually was original material? And I kept thinking of Knives Out, which it seems like such mm-hmm. a, a sort mm-hmm. of you know. Forgive me for it saying so this racist, but Agatha Christie novel or something like that. I mean, it was a whodunit. It seemed yeah. like it mm-hmm. was a book, but it was absolutely an original idea. And I think yeah. the reason that people responded, I mean, I did like Knives Out. I think the reason it got um, such high praise was because it was actually an original idea that totally. felt like an mm-hmm. IP. Just to be real shady, let's name names. 
who are literary writers whose fiction is bad because it's just trying to be a miniseries? Well, as Annie Dillard would say, <laughs> when she's reading a author who's clearly gunning for an adaptation, I smell a rat. Smell a rat. Mm. D, you're being very quiet over there. You know, mm-hmm. before I was employed, I might have gone in on this question. D, are oh, you learning? Okay. Are you learning to to not speak your mind all the time, everywhere? You know, sometimes my voice doesn't always need to be included. Wow! <laughs> wow! That's wow. also just something you learn in your 30s. Wow. Mm. I mean, D, I'm, I am astonished and, I don't know, proud maybe? I don't know. I mean, I think we're not going to name names, but it is definitely something like like the Iowa voice. Like when you pick up a short story collection or a novel and you're like, this person went to Iowa and you look at the back cover and indeed they did go to Iowa. I do think, I do think there's something noticeable about the stories that are set up to be... Uh, adapt, you know, that are basically the novel as IP generation. And I don't actually don't think it's writer's fault. Uh, this is how publishing makes money. This yeah. is like one of the, you know, and so there's a whole pipeline. There's, there is the novel to um, legacy TV miniseries pipeline. And so, yeah. of course, writers are poor and they need money and they're writing into that IP generation space. And God God bless them. I respect the hustle. Yeah. Um, I'm not, but, you know, I'm, not a, I'm never mad at a writer chasing a paycheck. But exactly. I also, when it comes to this, because that is so prominent at this point, um, mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's like almost rote. If you just focus on telling a good story, there's a good ch- and your book gets some attention. There's a good chance that there will be interest um, yep, right. in that world. So, to be writing literary fiction for that purpose, like bitch, just cut out the middle line and write a screenplay. Like right. if, if that's right. really I mean, that's your right. goal, I, write a screenplay. I, I, mm-hmm. You'll get more money from I, Jump. Like why waste I, the time? I, I guess, but I would say write the article with the idea that you are going to adapt it yourself. There is that. Mm. There is that. And Tibbs, you and I have talked a lot about that. Yeah. Um, and there is that. That's a, that's a, and that's a little bit of a different thing. And I'll never forget, I remember when Precious, based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire, came out, meaning the, when the film adaptation came out. And uh-huh. one of the things she kept talking about is that Lee Daniels was chasing her for years to get the option to do, to do that film. Mm. Because for many, many years, she was like, I didn't write this to be a film. I don't want it to be a film. It's not intended to be a film. And I'm not, I don't, I won't have any control that it's going to be good. And mm-hmm. that was very important to her up, you know, up until a certain point um, when he convinced her. Uh, and I, I always, I just always think about that because I truly don't know, you know, when, hopefully when I'm in those conversations, how I'm going to feel, if I'm even going to want an adaptation or what the, just, I just don't know. I, I have no idea mm. yet. The, I mean, the whole right. thing about that is it's just the direct deposit. Right. Yeah. And and it, and and you get to really difficult choices between um artistic control mm-hmm. and what your direct deposit looks like. And you know, I think in in a world with so much scarcity for creative professionals, it's hard to fault people for putting their financial security uh front of mind, especially if they're a person for whom that, you know, that paycheck can change their life and 
allow them to have stability. I don't certainly don't judge that at right. all, but it, it's also, you know, um, it, it can get in the way of the art being as good as it could possibly be. And that's what you mm. said before, Joe, about like uh, making sure uh, how like in adapting, for example, color purple to a, from a book to a movie to a show, uh, how many good decisions had to be made. Yeah. You know, and it's like at every point there needs to be. Um, I mean, I just in my limited experience in this world, executives do not want things that stand out you know they want things that conform um and so to make something at all is a miracle but to make something good is just i I think think, go ahead i was just gonna say that that in in that degree i mean another thing that was so good i thought it must have been adapted and it definitely wasn't was everything everywhere all at once and Mm. i mean it was kind of zeitgeisty in the sense that like the thing is the daniels initially were researching the concept of a multiverse in 2010 and it's just interesting Mm. because you know in the years since we've gotten um you know rick and morty and we've gotten a multiverse of madness and it seems like and and spider-man into the into the spider-verse or whatever it seems like there is some kind of consensus about looking to other worlds i think maybe because this one is so shitty yeah for sure (laughs) yes it is i I just i want i know you go I was just gonna. Say, I want to. I want to end this combo by talking about Moonlight, um, which, of course, what is it? Talk about a successful adaptation of a play. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm friends of friends with Terrell, and he wasn't involved in the writing of the script, the adaptation at all. He sort of allowed the source material to be used, you know. And and then it was made by a straight person. But how many mm. amazing decisions? You know, it's like this thing we talk about with representation. Like, is a straight person the best person to make Moonlight? Maybe not. But holy fuck, did they make a shit ton of fucking good decisions mm-hmm. to adapt the fuck out of that play into what is a film that is visually stunning, acted incredibly well. Very, you know, it's so placey. Yeah. Like it yeah. is so it is mm-hmm. so fucking Miami. It is so that place, which, mm. you know, the play is on a stage, so it is not necessarily gonna have that element. That's right. one where I would never have thought it was an adaptation if I had if I hadn't just somehow known that through osmosis when it was happening. Mm-hmm. But that's I actually talk about Moonlight a lot when I'm having conversations with like writers and other creatives about writing across difference because mm-hmm. like obviously, you know, this there was this source material and Barry Jenkins, as far as we know, uh, you know, is a heterosexual man. But um, that is one, and there are many examples out there um, through you know decades of this. But that's one really great example mm-hmm. of someone who doesn't necessarily share every identity that's at the center and the core of the art, and mm-hmm. still, like I do not think there was a better person to do that film outside mm-hmm. like like i do not think there was i think it should have been barry jenkins because look what he did i mean it's look extraordinary what, yeah. so it is, yeah. um it's a reminder for people also just that it is possible like there mm-hmm. there's an right. incredible amount of care and talent and nuance and 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 all these different things that have to go into working across difference really well and do and really doing it justice but it can be done Mm. I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Den knows how I feel. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And to put the cherry on our top this week, Kenya. Kim Kim. Yes. 
Um, okay, so you know when you're just like burnt out from scrolling and something yes. pops up and you're just like, let me just try this shit. Because yes. I'm sick of going through pages and pages of content. So that happened to Alex and I um, on Apple TV. And we were targeted, I guess marketed, this show called Loot with Maya Rudolph. And it's essentially about a billionaire. She plays the wife of a billionaire who gets cheated on. Um, but there's no prenup. So when she gets the divorce, she gets the money. Oh, my God. Um, and she also gets his foundation. So it covers basically- the dream living the dream. Oh, my God. This insane. I mean, it's just it's insane. Joel Kim Booster plays her assistant. Amazing. Shout out, Joel. He's so funny. And also his like his outfits are just so, so amazing. Um, so basically, yeah, she becomes like 87 billionaire, um, 87 billion dollars in her bank account. And but she has no purpose. So she decides to run the foundation. Um, She's a really rich woman. She does not know how to run the foundation. So it plays a lot with class. And it's interesting because she's black. um, So she's like a super, super, super rich black woman. She's like the third richest woman in America in the show. Um, And then she's like working with everyone that's lower class or working class. And it's just a super light comedy, like even with class and poverty and inflation going on. Um, it was told in a way that I, I was able to look past it and just see the comedy for what it is. Um, it's completely absurd, but like in the best, best way. Mm-hmm. So I highly, highly recommend it. And it's super light. It's super, super light. Mm. We need something super light at this yes. time. I'm literally going to start streaming it right now. It's so good. I, I got, love I eating like light. I, I was <laughs> I was reading or watching something. I can't remember how I got this, but I guess in, in its initial phases, the... Um, the, the, the way that they sold it was like, uh, I got divorced and all I got was $87 billion. And that, <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of the gag. And it's, it's just the comedy is so, so funny. I've always loved Maya Rudolph like, oh, forever. She's like, her hilarious. Timing, she's her her facial expressions. Just, oh, my God. I, <laughs> I like literally cry laugh. It's just like such a laugh out loud, absurd situation. There's also shout out. There's this like amazing montage where she's like she found out she got cheated on for a younger woman and she just goes through the world partying with Joel Kim Booster, like doing hella drugs. Yeah. And it is like one of the funniest montages I've seen in a very, very <laughs> long time. Very so- long time. You sold me. I'm on loop. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Amazing. Check it out. Check it out. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our home at Stitcher. Our producer is the luscious and lovable linguini Alexandra De Palma. <laughs> linguini. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Joe Never Cooks Again. Please oh, God. No. oh, no. I would really spiral. I mean, I'm spiraling. Stars. I would really spiral. Oh, Five no. Five stars. I'm Tommy Teebs, Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S on Instagram because I deleted Twitter. And I might delete Instagram by the time this comes out, too. Amazing. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me and order my book, which is out in stores now at www.josephosmondson.com. And I'm sorry that it's so timely. It hurts. Mm. And you can... I, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm Den Michelle Norris, <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Den Michelle, and follow my editorial pursuits at electricliterature.com. 
I'm Kenya Denise, and you can find me on IG at Kenya Diggit. That's K-E-N-Y-A underscore D-I-G-G underscore I-T. If she likes you. If she <laughs> if likes I like you. you. Find us on Instagram as GaySlutsWhoRead and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick, dick pics. Picks. Dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? I feel like our Zoom thought is so slow. It's so <sighs> slow. It's so slow. You got it that I time. Love- 